it is certainly no small irony that life for me has been extremely full and busy during this lengthy series we've been on, all focused on rest. You want to make God laugh. Sometimes in our lives, things slow down for summer. You know, they, they say it's the dog days of summer, right? You've heard that expression? Uh, my dog, I think, is a greyhound because <laughs> it's been going faster and faster. Is anyone else there? Is your summer sped up? compared to the fall. Yeah, a lot of you, right? Because despite the irony of it all, within the midst of the busyness, I hope you, like me, are very grateful to be learning a lot more about this slow, purposeful way of Jesus in the midst of the chaos that you find yourself in right now. Because honestly, we know that life is just overfull in general. Even when we slow down, it's still too fast. Even when it's a little less busy, it's still too stuffed. And that's why we've been in this series, because the entire purpose of this whole series has, to, has been to remind us that there's a better way. It's the way of Jesus, and it's completely different than the way most of us are living, and certainly the way of this world. We've been looking at it from many different angles when we really looked at the problem of it and we've considered our pace and how we're moving through life too fast. We've considered our presence, how we're usually too distracted to be aware of Jesus in our midst or aware of how to love the person in front of us. We talked about the importance of stillness and waiting on God or even embracing the simple life. When the world tells us we need more, 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 God tells us he is enough and we have enough. And then, of course, we spent three entire weeks on the Sabbath to really just begin a glimpse of understanding it for us at this countercultural way of Jesus. And all of this, every single week, it has revolved around the comforting invitation from Jesus Christ who offers our souls true and complete rest. Today, we are focusing in completely on that particular invitation from Jesus Christ. So as we prepare to, to focus on that, uh, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to bring you up to speed on kind of the context of where we find ourselves in, in God's uh, history here through the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 11. So as you start to read Matthew 11, you'll see that John the Baptist is now in prison after making a way for the Lord. He is in prison, and at the heart of this hardship, he starts to have doubts about whether or not Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah. And in those doubts, Jesus meets him and points out all the things he's done, all the things he has taught, all the things he has said that prove without a doubt Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Look at what he says in 4 through 5. Jesus replied, Go back, this is to some of uh, John's disciples he sent to him, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Yes, Jesus is indeed the Messiah. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. He goes on, he honors John's faithfulness 
and his service to God, and he continues to move on and then condemn his own generation in Matthew 11. He, he expresses essentially that no matter what he said or what Jesus did, those within his generation, they took the opposite view. They were cynical. They were skeptical because he challenged their comfortable, secure, and self-centered lives. Does that sound at all familiar? That was Jesus's generation, but surely it's every generation. You could say it's even gotten worse throughout the ages. Think about it. The word of God goes out. And we've seen people are cynical, they are skeptical, or they are downright dismissive over this life-changing news. Why? Because it challenges our comfort. It challenges our comfortable, our secure, and our self-centered lives. And you know, I'm not just talking about them out there, whoever they may be. I'm talking about each and every one of us. We say we want to be like Jesus, but we're not willing to do what it takes. It's far too easy for us to just justify the inconsistencies in our life, the inconsistencies in what we say we believe and what we actually do. Because listening to God may require us or rather, will require us to change the way we live. That hurts a little, but that is the truth. In fact, elsewhere, Jesus says that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we all know he's given us this life. We've heard of the, the, the life-changing good news of salvation and what he offers us, and we long for that life, and we long for the life of Jesus. And if you're in a church building in and, 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 and 2023 in America, it's highly likely that you even know some of the truth, that you've read some of his word, and you're, you're starting to understand all of this and see this in Jesus. But what do we really tend to lack but the way? Do we live the way of Jesus? Do we trust his way is the way? And then in Matthew 11, Jesus goes on and he expresses his woe over these, these historical cities, these cities that had opportunity to repent, to turn away from their sinful ways and back toward God, but they chose not to. And as a result, they were destroyed. They chose to keep going on in their own sinful ways instead of accepting the merciful gift of grace and forgiveness from God and they ultimately got what they deserved. If we go our own way, and we don't turn our lives to God and say, you're our, my Savior, I need you. You're my life. I do have sin in my life. You alone can take it away. If we do not do that, we know also we will be destroyed. But if we give our lives to Jesus, the good news is we will be forgiven, and he has given us a new life. 
That's the gospel. You have heard this. Many of you have come to believe us. Many of you are on the journey toward believing that for the first time. So all that is going on, and then Jesus claims marvelous authority in verse 27. The authority that he's already proven, and all the things he told John that has happened, and that he's taught, and what he has seen. He goes on to say, all things have been committed to me by my Father. All things. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's the context. That right there is the context for this most wonderful of invitations from Jesus. That Jesus holds all authority in heaven and on earth. He has proven it true through word and deed. His love and care for his people is without end. If only they would turn away from their selfish desires that have brought them nothing but pain, heartache, toil, and ultimately death. And then Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Are you weary and burdened? Are you weary and burdened right now? Jesus knows intimately the struggles and the pains and the burdens of this life. He knows you to the very fiber of your being. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're dealing with right here and now. And he goes before you knowing what is ahead. And he is willing to walk with you through it all. He left heaven for you. He walked this earth for you. He became the man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. He is acquainted with your deepest hurt, your deepest struggle, your deepest burden, and your burning questions. He knows every pain, every hurt, every ache and burden there is to experience. And in his great love, with his humble and his gentle heart, he asks you to place that burden upon him and let him carry it for you. And all you need to do is take on his easy yoke. It's the exchange of a lifetime. There's no better return on investment than what is found with Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if you have your bulletin or a notebook, name your burdens and your weariness, weariness right now. Jot them down. Name it. Because as you start to actually name it, you'll start to see the floodgates pour out and realize there is a lot more below the surface of the ones you're even aware of. Name them. Get them out there. Bring them into the light, your burdens and your weariness. For me, Right now, what are some of my burdens? What's making me weary? One of them lately is how to, how to raise up my kids in a way 
so that they will have a deep love for Jesus? And how do I, as their dad, model Jesus for them when I too am selfish (laughs) and I too have my things to work on and I too am not at all perfect? How do I point them to the perfect one? I am burdened for my kids. I am burdened for all here in this congregation who are going through life-changing stuff, the hardest of stuff. For my brother Travis, for my dad on his cancer journey and all that goes through, for all the things you guys are going through, I am burdened for you. I'm burdened for this neighborhood. Longing for my neighbors to know the love of Jesus Christ that has changed my life. And I know who is willing to change theirs if only they will open themselves up to it. I am burdened. What are you burdened with right now? What is making you weary right now? There is one who cares so deeply for you that he is willing to take that unbearable and that crushing burden for you in exchange for his easy yoke. And what does he desire in return? Honestly, it's simply your heart to place your life in his hands, to trust him, to believe in his power, to believe like John needed to hear that Jesus is who he says he is. Give him your heart. And he's not asking you to do anything he hasn't done because he has already given you his. Jesus Christ, with all authority in heaven and on earth, here invites you to come to him. We sometimes think about having a special invite here in our kind of world, right? Like you think about, oh, I'd love to get like, you know, an invite to that cool person in my life. Or I'd love if I got an invite to the mayor's house, right? Or what if I got an invite to the White House? What if I got an invite to Buckingham Palace? There we go. Put on a suit for that one, right? Jesus' invitation is so much greater than any earthly invite we can ever receive. There is no greater honor than to receive an invitation from Jesus. There's no greater honor for him to even consider us for a second, quite frankly. Because in light of who he is, the fact we are invited at all is completely insane. You guys know who this Jesus is. Look at what it says in Philippians 2. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's that Jesus who cares so deeply for you. He invites you to come shoulder to shoulder with him as he carries your burden. Can you imagine going to Buckingham Palace and the king saying, Here, take my robe, take my crown, 
and let me carry all your worries for you. Come with me. We have work to do. No. And add an earthly invitation. The president, the king, whatever. We might think we're invited because of something we've done. You know, your, your, your basketball team won the championship, or you won the Nobel Peace Prize, so you get to meet the president, or you're a really good chef, so you get to cook for the king, whatever, right? You start to believe that you somehow on your own merit got this invitation, but at the invitation of Jesus, we have no such illusion. It is as clear as can be that the invitation has truly nothing at all to do with our own merit, because at the invitation... And the one who invites us, we can't but help feel a deep sense of unworthiness. King of kings, Lord of lords, name above all names, and then us who was formed out of the dust and the dirt. And at the same time, at the same time as feeling unworthy, we feel a deep, bone marrow deep. I think that's as deep as you can go in the body. You medical people, tell me otherwise after the message, if not. The deepest part of our being, our souls, desire to accept this invitation because it speaks directly to the deepest longing of our souls. Dane Ortland put it this way. He wrote a fantastic book called Gentle and Lowly. It's all about the heart of Jesus and uh, partially deals with this passage. I encourage you to read it. Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. He writes this. Holy Son of God moves toward, touches, heals, embraces, and forgives those who least deserve it. Oh, and yet who truly desire it. Will you give him your heart? Will you give him your heart? Do you desire it? Do you desire Jesus? Do you desire his healing forgiveness and his loving embrace? Because if the cross of Jesus proves his willingness to carry all your sin, then the yoke proves his willingness to carry your every burden. Our salvation is not a future hope. It is a current reality for here and now. The cross, the yoke, both reveal our complete dependence and our need for a Savior. Ortland continues, not only can he alone pull us out of the hole of sin, he alone desires to climb in and bear our burdens. He doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because he desires to. Many of us accept the gift of the cross, but far fewer of us accept the gift of the easy yoke. Have you accepted the gift of the cross while you toil with accepting the invitation for the easy yoke? Right now we live at, I would say, is kind of the apex of the self-help era been going on really for all time, but there's a lot of resources and there's a lot of influencers and talks and all this stuff about self-help. Self-help is all about finding your own way. It's about claiming your own independence and getting yourself out of whatever you need to get out of. But honestly, the idea of independence is a complete sham. We are created beings, 
And as created beings, we will always be dependent on something. Put another way, we are always bound or yoked to something. We cannot go it alone. We must depend on something. And so we will find we're either going to be yoked to our, our sin or the world or the enemy or whatever expression of those things that you may find or yoked to Jesus. There are so many yokes out there, but there is only one easy yoke. And it is the yoke of Jesus. The world will offer you things that appear easy, but only perpetuate the cycle of suffering that we experience outside of Jesus. The way of life for a follower of Jesus is not independence, but it is complete and total dependence on him. So will we orient our entire lives around the easy yoke of Jesus. Aside from giving him our life and accepting what he has done for us, there truly is nothing more important than that. There's nothing more important for this, for our life is found in the defeater of death and the author and the perfecter of our faith. Will you give up everything that stands between you and him and lay it all down as you pick up his easy yoke? None of us, none of us want to mislive this one beautiful life. But many of us, are merely skimming the surface of this deep life God has given us. The easy yoke of Jesus reveals what we already know to be true. We are going to toil through this life one way or another. The question is, will we toil with Jesus or against Jesus? And Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon me. Do not toil against me. Let me toil with you. Have you ever seen a picture of a yoke? If you haven't, now you have. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm kidding. Uh, so Frederick Dale Bruner, he, is, uh, uh, he writes a fantastic commentary on the gospel according to Matthew. And he writes this about the yoke. So imagine what he is saying here. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life. A fresh way to bear responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. But instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Don't you love that? Instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount living, which is his yoke, will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way that we have been living. There is such a better way. There is such a better way. It is the yoked to Jesus life where we are dependent upon him. 
It is a life that is filled with purpose because we are working alongside and with Jesus wherever he directs us. It is an intimate life as we are close to our Savior who is the center of our world. There is no more tug of war because we are following in his way, in his lead, wherever he will guide us as we take off the way of the world and we put on the way of Jesus. That is our calling as those that bear his name, Christians, disciple, follower of Jesus, that our entire life revolves around him. It's not just an add-on to our life. It is our life. And no matter what comes your way, because of Jesus, you may have rest and he will see you through. None of what we talk about here, what I share from the pulpit or what we talk about as we read our Bibles, none of that ultimately matters if we don't have a heart-level desire to be close to Jesus. I am not interested in an intellectual exercise that doesn't lead to life change. And you shouldn't be either. Ortland uh, from earlier also says this, For those united to him, the heart of Jesus is not a rental. It is your new permanent residence. He has given you a new life, and it is found and buried in him. Do you desire to be close to Jesus? If your answer is yes, then you must without exception, choose to do whatever it takes to make him the central focus of your life. For if you know, body and soul, that your life is not your own, then we must live our lives accordingly. Following Jesus is not part of our life. It is our life. And to accept his invitation is to make the decision to live his way, not the way of this world and not our own way. So as we close, to yoke ourselves to Jesus means we take on the ultimate sign of trust and submission to the one who has all authority. We can trust him. He is gentle. We can trust him. He is humble. We can trust him. He alone can give us the rest our soul craves. To yoke ourselves to Jesus is to humble ourselves to the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Because he is God and we are not. He is in control. We are not. He can bear this burden. And Lord knows we cannot. And he is humble in heart. We naturally are not. That's why it's so hard to take on this yoke. We think we can bear it ourselves. But because we are not, we will yoke ourselves to him, believing God exalts those of humble estate, as he tells us in Luke 1, 52. To yoke ourselves to Jesus is ultimately to trust and accept his authority and his power. That whatever trouble we face, he is there. Whatever hurt we feel, he is there. Whatever confusion or deep sadness or grief we carry, he is there. 
and in our longings for our children and our friends and our community and all those things, when we yoke ourselves to Jesus, it's to invite Jesus not just into our lives, but every single place we step, for we are now stepped and yoked to Jesus. That means if we accept his invitation, everywhere we go, there goes Christ. We are united to him, and as we walk in step with his yoke. You long for your kids to follow Jesus? Then you follow Jesus. You long for your workplace to be transformed? Then you follow Jesus. You long for this world to be captured by the grace you have experienced for yourself? Then you follow Jesus. Because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He has given you this life. And you have just heard the truth. Will you follow in his way? To help you on that journey, here's our practice for today. Be brutally honest. Ask the Spirit to go to work in you. How badly do you long to follow Jesus? I ask you to be honest because when I ask myself this question, I realize what I say and what I'm willing to give up are much different. And so be brutally honest. How deeply, how badly do you long to follow Jesus? And then the question, as I just hinted at, where is your desire for Jesus and your way of life out of alignment? What's that gap? Where are you carrying your own yoke, going your own way, holding on to your own things that will ultimately crush you? And how can you ask God to go to work? Yeah, I have it on there. Ask God to grab the scalpel and go to work. Just like a surgeon, it takes one capable of doing what needs done. God alone is capable of doing what needs done. Will you trust him to do the sometimes painful but definitely necessary work to realign your heart with your way of life as you take on his yoke. This is what matters most. May we all agree to follow in the way of Jesus as we take on his yoke. Amen. Will you pray with me? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God, your word comes to us and connects on the deepest longing of our soul. Will you do your work in us right now, God? Will your spirit speak to your children right now, God? Will you draw us ever closer to you right now, God? As in your gentle and your humble and your loving and merciful and grace-filled way, you ask to take our own yoke off of us as you place your easy yoke upon us. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your forgiveness with us. We thank you for gently bringing us back into your path when we have gone astray. We thank you that you know us 
that you have come to save us and that you love us. Lord God, for any on this journey of faith who have not yet surrendered their lives to you, we pray that in your spirit, even now, you draw them in and they say, yes, God, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I am sinful, and you have saved me. And for all of us who have already made that decision, may you remind us again of the truth and the bone marrow deep reality of that as we seek to live differently, Lord living out our salvation, not just as a future hope, but as a current reality here and now. We continue to lift our weariness and our burdens to you, entrusting it to your capable care, God, as we seek to rest in you. For you alone give us the rest our soul truly needs. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, what you're doing in our midst, and what you are sending us out to do because we trust that we can walk in step with Jesus, knowing you will do what you accomplish, what you long to accomplish. May it be so in each of our lives today. Amen.